Lord, we are here before you today and we are yours. Please speak to us, each one, as we have need. We release ourselves into your hands. Please accomplish in each one of us that which you will to do. In Jesus' name, amen. The last three weeks, we've talked a little bit about stewardship. We've talked a little bit about money and possessions and finances. And if you're just getting back from a trip, you're probably glad you missed that. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but we're continuing today a little bit, not talking about that, but, but talking a little bit about Christian commitment. And um, I was out at, at dinner with my brother-in-law last night, and he's like, all right, Christian, what are you preaching on tomorrow? Two words. And I said, Christian commitment. And he goes, oh, I'm glad I'm not going to be there. <laughs> right? Got to love Barry. <laughs> oh. Commitment is kind of minimalized in our society today. Um, we do not want to commit. We don't want to commit to things. We want to be able to sort of bounce off things here and there and maybe float in and float out as we please, as we will. We prefer to sort of dabble here and there without tying ourselves down. And sometimes we've committed to things and then become overcommitted, so then we're afraid of commitment. Um, or maybe we committed to something and we were hurt through that process, and so now we don't want to commit to anything anymore. Um, we see this play out all the time in marriages, Today, people want the benefits of marriage without the responsibility and commitment of marriage. And so we sort of skip off of marriage a little bit. Um, a, lot of, a lot of Christian, so to speak, weddings are really just a superficial sanctification of what's really going on, which isn't necessarily a Christian commitment. Uh, and sort of this attitude permeates our society in many different ways, many different areas. And what we want to talk about today, and I believe the, the Lord has put on my heart to share with us today, and, and certainly from, at myself too here, is that commitment is the bottom line of our response to the Lord. Okay? Um, what kind, the question we're considering is what kind of response is called for when we hear the voice of God calling us and we respond to it? What is that? What response is that? What kind of commitment is that? It's good for a moment to just consider Genesis, okay? Let's go back to the very beginning and think about when we were created and what our initial response as humanity was to God, okay? So we were created by God, right? And we were created not as robots forced to love God with no choice. We were created with the will to choose him or not choose him. And our forerunners fell again and again, and we could trace the covenant history all throughout the Old Testament, which we won't do this morning. <laughs> um, but again and again, God renews that covenant Let's take a look really quickly in Genesis chapter 12. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there. Genesis chapter 12. And verses 1 through 3, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, 
Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Okay? So, this is a pretty amazing act of God, right? Here is the Lord who created and sustains the universe, and he singles out this one guy, Abram. And he says, leave your people, leave your country, leave your household, leave everything you're familiar and comfortable with, (laughs) in many respects. Leave everything that you've known, your family, your homeland, and go where I will tell you. He's not being told where he's going. (laughs) You see that in there? God doesn't lay it all out to him and say... And then you're going to do this, and then you're going to go here, and oh, and there's this piece of land you're going to be on. You're going to be able to build this really nice three-bed, two-bath cave. And you're going to have the perfect job, and everything is going to work out just fine. He says, go to the land that in the future I will show you. And Abram is confronted with this decision, whether to obey or not. I think... A lot of times when we hear the call of the Lord in our hearts, a lot of times we might come back to God nowadays and say, well, tell me where it is and I'll decide if I want to go or not. (laughs) We make it about us instead of about him. We're confronted with this decision over whether or not we're going to obey. You know, Abram did not have to go. God did not get behind him and kick him and make him go and do it. He could have stayed with the comforts. But the bottom line is that God was speaking and Abram was put into a position of obedience. Now, another way of looking at obedience really is commitment. Obedience plays out in our lives as commitment. Let's continue on here and see what what is said in Genesis chapter 12. Uh, And verse 4. It says, in verse verse 2, it says, And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And then 3 continues, I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So he's going to make of Abram a great nation. There's these promises of blessing. I will make you a blessing. And I will curse those who cursed you. There are blessings and cursings associated with obedience and commitment to the call and voice of God. God has announced to Abram what he's going to do. And Abram had a choice to get with what God said he's doing. Or to say, no, I don't want to do that. I'm going to go do something else. So anyone who chooses to join with God and bless what God is doing will be blessed too. And anyone who chooses to step away from that blessing will not be blessed. And in fact, here in Genesis, we read about blessings and cursings, right? So we have a choice. But here's a key thing that flies in the face of the 
independent New England spirit. We cannot change what God is doing. God is doing what God is doing, and it's our choice whether we decide to follow him or not follow him. Either we will choose to go with him, or we will choose to go against him. Jesus never said, he who is not with me is neutral. <laughs> it doesn't exist. When God acts, neutrality is impossible. We are called to go with him, and the place of blessing is to be going with what God announces. It's as simple as that. Relationship with God depends on the response of obedience. And as we mentioned before, obedience is commitment. So we see in the Old Testament these cycles of covenant being broken, and then renewal, covenant, broken, renewal, and then Jesus. Okay? Doing a big fast forward here. Okay? <laughs> Every time we celebrate communion, we are celebrating that you and I are, in fact, part of the new covenant in Jesus Christ. If we have trusted Christ, if we are born again, we are part of that new covenant in Jesus Christ. And that new covenant extends to anyone and everyone who will respond to him. Okay? Uh, the covenant is not made with every living human being on the earth. That would be a universal salvation. That would be saying that every single person, whether they want to or not, is saved. That is not supported by Scripture. The covenant is made with Jesus. That is key. Not everyone who enters into the blessings, not everyone enters into the blessing of the covenant, right? We have a choice. We can get with what God is doing, or we can go our own way. There is no neutrality. When we enter into the blessings of the covenant, of the new covenant in Jesus Christ, it requires choice, requires commitment, requires obedience. People are sealed in that covenantal blessing of baptism, but many are baptized and never enter into those blessings of a relationship with Jesus Christ. How many people have we met in our lives that said, ah, I was baptized? Was their baptism efficacious? Sacramentally? Yes, we don't, we don't rebaptize people, okay? But you can choose to enter into that relationship with Jesus Christ, or you can choose to do your own thing. God is amazingly forgiving. But forgiveness is not automatic. What does the scripture say about it? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's an if-then relationship. It's not an automatic thing. If there is no acknowledgement or need or acknowledgement of wrongdoing, then there's no restoration. Commitment is obedience, and commitment 
his response. So how do we show that we're a Christian? Is it the little lapel pin that we wear? You know, my cross is bigger than your cross. (laughs) I actually asked the bishop if he was going to be upset if I had this cross since it was bigger than his. And and Bishop Bill said, no, it's fine. Thanks for asking, but it's fine. (laughs) Uh, He said, it just means I have more sin that needs to be forgiven. Right, what do, we, what do we do? Do we have our necklaces? How about our bumper stickers? I refuse to have a Christian fish on my vehicle. Not because I'm trying to hide my faith, but because I don't want to bring a bad name to it by my driving. <laughs> 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 oh. It's not the slogan on our t-shirt. It's not our lapel pin. It's not our cross, our bumper sticker, how big or thick our Bible is, right? Those are all superficial things. One of the biggest criticisms of Christians today is that we're a bunch of hypocrites. And if you come to church expecting everybody to be perfect, then you're in the wrong place (laughs) in that respect. Because most of us are here because we finally realize we're not. But we know who is. And he calls us to be like him and will empower us to do so. If we'll commit to it. We can sit in a church our whole life and never experience salvation. You can come that close. You can know all about Jesus, but never know him. Every single person is God's creation, but not every single person is a child of God. Becoming a child of God is being adopted into the family through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Everyone could receive the gift of salvation, but not everyone will. Everyone is called into relationship with God, but it takes repentance, response, commitment. This is why the church has a mission. We are called to preach the gospel. To share with every single person everywhere the good news of the work of God in Jesus Christ to save us and to bring us into a committed relationship with him. So, back to relationship for a moment here. God, one pastor that I really appreciate says, God does not bless our mess. (laughs) Right? Um... He will bless that which is brought into harmony with his will. Relationship with God is a blessing for us and to others around us. There's um, presently... There's a revival sort of thing happening at Asbury um, University in Kentucky. (laughs) And it started on Wednesday, and it's still going. It's been going for 24 hours, and as it's been happening, more and more people have been coming and joining in. And um, it's really people that have come together to pray and to repent, to worship God, to get right with him. 
to be healed, to be saved, to be delivered, to be empowered and sent forth. And it is absolutely a work of God what is happening there. And it's because people are finally laying down what they've been holding back. They are finally coming before the Lord in commitment and obedience and response. In, um, in Deuteronomy, it's laid out like this, chapter 28, and then we are going to get to 30 where we were today. We're going to come back to revival in a moment because this ties in. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all of his commandments that I command to you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth, and these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Do you want the blessings of God to come upon you and overtake you? What would that be like? This is not some fake prosperity gospel. This is the words of the Lord to us today about blessing and about stepping into what God is blessing. Okay? Look over at chapter 30. This is what we read today. Um, I think it was verse 15. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. Moses is not going to be around much longer. He's nearing 120 years old at this point, and he knows that he is not going to cross into the promised land. You know, the power handoff is about to happen to Joshua. And Moses, when you come to the end of your life and you really have some serious things you want to impart, it's good for you know people to sit up and pay attention to that. And this is what Moses is doing here. He's like, okay, let me break it down for you. It's really simple, okay? <laughs> I have set before you this day life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear but are drawn to worship other gods and serve them, I declare you to you today that you shall surely perish. We have a choice. Follow God. Don't follow God. We will read what is down each one of those paths. Whichever one we choose is up to us. So there's a, a pastor friend of mine that um, went to this revival out in Asbury University. Because he wanted to check it out. You know, he was a little skeptical. He wanted to see what was going on. And uh, he, he brought his daughter out because she was considering going there anyways. And so it was a good time for them to go take a look at what was happening. And, and he said one of the first things that struck him when he approached the building, the chapel where it was happening, is that you could hear the sounds of people worshiping from outside. And just the sound of that it was clear that something amazing was happening and he felt drawn in to go inside. And when he went in, he says, this is what I found. All generations, little kids to senior adults, ethnicities and nationalities, along with many languages, 
the worship flowed and you forgot about time while in that space. There were breaks for prayer, for people and issues, and the posture was a blend of repentance, joy, and love. There was no agenda, yet it felt like it was going somewhere. It was not aimless. That would be a hallmark of the move of God's Spirit, because it's free, but not formless. And look at the fruit. People are repenting, they are committing, they are obeying, and God is moving in power. There's no formula that people can create which forces God into an outpouring of his spirit. It doesn't work like that. And too often throughout history, we have tried to, in a formulaic way, force God to do something. It doesn't matter your denomination. It doesn't matter your style of worship, whether you have guitars or organs, pews or chairs, robes or Hawaiian shirts. Revival has happened in all different expressions of the church. And God looks on the heart, on our choice, and on our relationship with him. And while there is not a formula that triggers revival from God's hand like some divine gumball machine, we do know from Holy Scripture that we have looked at today and from seeing it in practice that when people will commit, when people will obey and fully surrender themselves to God, that he is faithful, that when we step into following what God is blessing, then we will also experience the blessing of God we will experience his power, his provision, and as scripture promises, his blessing will follow and overtake us. The power of God follows the purpose of God. Our response and obedience to God's plan and the Spirit's leading is what directly influences the blessing of God in our lives. So I ask, do we want God's blessing? Do we want the Spirit of God moving in our church? Do we want the power of God in our lives? God does promise us his power. But he does not promise us his power to do our things. If we want the power of God in our life and in our church, we need to find and follow the purpose of God and step into what he is blessing. Because that's where we will find it. Lord, thank you for your holy word, for leading us each to a place of choice, of decision, You know where each one of us is today. You know the exposure that we have had to the Christian faith, churches we've attended in the past, Christians we've experienced, and some things were positive, some things were not. You know our past and our history, and you know where our hearts currently are. So, Lord, for each one of us, I pray that you would enable us to take the next step of commitment, 
whether that be responding to your spirit by trusting Jesus for the first time, whether that be releasing something that we've been holding on to in an area that you've been speaking to us about this morning that is a, we're not trusting you or that we're holding on to some sin or we're harboring some ill will or resentment towards another. Lord, let us lay those things down at your feet, at your cross. Continue to renew us by your spirit. Bring revival in our hearts, revival in this church, to this surrounding community, to our land. With all the choices before us, God, help us to choose you on a moment-by-moment basis. In Jesus' name, amen.